we are back today with another Tap Talks HR podcast. I'm really excited today to be talking to Victoria Brown, Head of Research and Development at Belbin. Belbin's a great team methodology that I've worked with over the years that looks at different role preferences that we have within our teams that we work in, as I'm sure many of you as listeners know. Victoria, well, welcome to the Tap Talks HR podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. No worries at all. Well, today we're discussing the effect of hybrid working on teams. So to kick us off, is the work at Belbin applicable to hybrid teams? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I think um, when we're sort of talking about um, virtual and hybrid teams, there's almost this division, isn't there, between what was happening before COVID and what's happened as a result. Um, So Belbin, um, we were working with um, with teams before the pandemic. They tended to be um, sort of geographically dispersed, um, maybe across different countries, different timelines. Um, and then what we saw with um, with the pandemic is that lots of teams suddenly found themselves moving online. Um, so I think the the kind of questions that we're addressing and, and the caseload that we see in our workshops and um, sort of feeding back reports. Um, has shifted a little bit, um, but essentially we're still talking about people, we're talking about human behaviour, and wherever people are working together, um, those Belbin team roles really do come into play. Um, And for people who don't know um, so much about Belbin team role theory, um, it started with um, the research of Dr. Meredith Belbin in the 1970s. And he was um, essentially trying to answer the question, why do some teams succeed and others fail? Um, So he was starting off um, looking at um, the interactions of individual team members, and he was trying to sort of determine um, if he could find out from the way that they communicate um, and the way that they interacted with one another, um, what were those sort of key ingredients for success? Um, And what he discovered was that it wasn't so much about um, intellect or IQ, but it was about the strengths that individuals could bring to the team. And from that research, he discovered the nine key team roles. Um, And these are clusters of behaviour that are useful to facilitate team success. So there are loads of different useful behaviours that we might observe in the workplace. But these were the ones that actually enabled the team to fulfill its objectives, um, its potential, if you like. Um, So to get back to your question, yeah, absolutely. Anywhere that people are meeting, um, we see um, those team roles come into play. I think what's changed with with the pandemic is that we're seeing teams who have um, previously been co-located having to shift um, online and actually into now into sort of hybrid situations where half the team might be working remotely and half are in the office. Um, And we're also seeing um, more and more teams that have never met in person and are brand new and are trying to sort of find their feet. Um, And where Belden comes into play is really to give us a language for those strengths and to sort of counteract some of the difficulties that we experience when we're working remotely. So it's, for example, things like, um, quite apart from all the technology and those kind of difficulties, it's things like conversational turn-taking, the cues and body language, um, it's the amount of time that we spend sort of sitting, um, looking at the screen, it's all all of those sorts of things. Um, And the language of team roles, understanding um, the strengths that someone else brings, um, the perspective that they're working from and how that influences 
what they say and how they say it. Those things are really useful um, clues when we're working either with a well-established team that's that's sort of changed to to remote or hybrid, or with a new team that's you know where people aren't aren't familiar. So yes, it really does have a, a part to play in kind of breaking down some of those issues. It's, and that's fantastic, isn't it? Because it is, a, and where I've used it in the past, it is a great way of, of bringing and gelling a team together. We think about Bruce Tuckman's work about forming, storming, norming, performing, and it really helps you accelerate towards that high performance and understanding what strengths mix you have got in the teams. But I'm, I'm sure that that um, what uh, maybe a shift towards more remote working has probably altered that interaction within the team. How well? The individual roles cope with that. I, I, I know um, I, I've read a piece of research around um, we recruit for conscientiousness, but actually some conscientious people who are working now when they were in lockdown, totally remote, actually almost suffered burnout because they were so about dotting the I's and crossing the T's that they could never stop. They could never put their laptop away. And actually it was becoming, um, if you had too many conscientious people in it, it kind of fueled that. So is that something that, that maybe you're, you're seeing is uh, the, the different team roles, the strengths working different virtually? Definitely, yeah. So um, we conducted some research um, at the end of 2020. Um, so that was a point in the UK where um, some people had returned to working in the office, many were still working from home or remotely. Um, and we looked into this, um, we looked at sort of top team roles and we asked lots of questions um, about people's experience of working remotely. And yes, there were significant differences. Um, I think one trend that we spotted was um, that initially, uh, when a lot of businesses were forced to go online, it was really about survival, maintaining the status quo. It was about taking processes and procedures online. It was about um, productivity and efficiency. So we found that um, people with implementer strengths, so those are very efficient, sort of methodical, systematic, um, they thrived at, at the outset because they were able to, 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 to do that kind of work. Um, as you've identified, the people that um, the completed finishers who are kind of the detail orientated, perhaps more kind of inner anxiety, conscientious, were taking on more and more work. And that perhaps wasn't visible or as visible to managers and, um, and leaders because they're not necessarily seeing everything that's on that person's desk, if you like. Um, so yes, we did see that. And, and the other thing is that there was then this shift when um, we sort of got, got further along into that journey and, and organizations were moving towards hybrid, but lots of people were still working remotely. There was this, well, we can't necessarily stay just maintaining, we have to innovate. And actually some of the other um, team roles that are more associated with generating ideas, such as the plants resource investigators, um, they were struggling with that stage because the meetings were about um, efficiency and, and, and that sort of process which is not their forte. And so, you know, resource investigators, for example, um, they are very sort of outgoing. They like their conferences and their exhibitions. They want to meet people. They want to sort of find out new ideas. They like to have near to the ground. And so working in isolation 
for them um, was, was more difficult. And this was actually a survey that was qualitative as well as quantitative. And it was, it was all the resource investigator or um, those people with those strengths that were saying, I've got to get out, you know, I've got, I, want to, I want to sort of meet people and I, you know, I can't do everything. I can't sort of do all of this remotely. Um, so yeah, definitely um, differences between. Um, I think the other sort of trend we noticed was that we asked about the, the kind of things that people missed about the workplace and actually um, people didn't really talk so much about log logistical or practical things what they talked about was the opportunity for informal communication you know just to meet and, and chat to people um, because I think when we're working remotely we're sort of scheduling meetings agendas everything's more formalized and there aren't so many opportunities for teams to kind of connect in an informal way as they might do if they're just you know if you're just passing someone's desk or you know you're in the same room for lunch or whatever it might be um and again it was um those team roles that sort of were valuing ideas but also people who um had team worker strengths so they're the kind of cement if you like that holds the team together and their their role um is to um to sort of have an ear to the ground but, but internally so they're very perceptive and they pick up on kind of shifts in the dynamic and in the environment again that's something that's perhaps more difficult to do remotely so yeah there, there were a lot of things in team law terms that could affect people's experience and of course it's not the whole picture there were lots of other um sort of elements to to, to, to those decisions that were going on um, but yeah, it was an interesting piece from that point of view. And also in terms of how organisations then plan, okay, we do need to move back to innovating. We're not going to survive by just doing what we've always done. How do we therefore create the right environment for people with different strengths to make sure that they have what they need to play their role? And yeah, I mean, that last bit there, it's almost like a, a, a lens of inclusion, isn't it? How do you make sure you, people's behaviour and personality can, can shine as much as it did in in the past and i love some of the the the, the, the your, some of your findings there because I, i've obviously made a few assumptions about how things might change with the different belgian team roles and actually i was and one of the things i talk to leaders about sometimes is actually before the pandemic we were quite lucky as leaders if we were face to face because actually we would have someone like the team worker in the team who would be able to spot when someone's not looking that great go and have a cup of tea with them and get and and, and be able to do that emotional kind of compassion kind of role whereas suddenly when everyone's remote and you as the leader is probably their main point of contact you're suddenly having to assume that role in some way you can't rely on the team worker in the team and is that something you've seen around about as you've been talking to leaders definitely yeah i think um those um people who are trying to sort of bring the the team effort together um have a real challenge on their hands with um with remote and, and and hybrid work and I think those are new things that we're grappling with when we're sort of talking about leadership um I think hybrid working um it was our hunch and actually it was borne out in the survey that hybrid was almost a more difficult situation for leaders than just remote or just um you know working together co-located um, and the reason for that is you're having to deal with two um sort of sets of, of dynamics and you're also um, sort of thinking logistically about, you know, when do I talk about this? Because I've got half the people on screen, I've got the other half here, I'm trying to make sure I include the right people. But that can't be by default, you know, we don't want to go down the road of 
um, presenteeism and, and just call a meeting with the people that are here or, you know, so I, I think actually um, the positive of that for leaders is that it has kind of forced us to be a bit more deliberate about how we um, sort of put people together. Um, and it's not just necessarily, you know, everyone into the meeting room. It's actually thinking about um, who we're um, calling on. And again, that's that's where Belvin comes into play because we've got these strengths. We've got an idea of where we might be able to, to sort of bring people in at the right time. Yeah, I, I love that idea about leaders being deliberate in their actions because that's a really good word because I think that's something we're having to be more of now. It's actually... Uh, we, we we can't rely on that underlying team kind of culture to kind of keep us going. And especially, as you say, in hybrid working, it's not like you're all virtual all the, all the time or you're in the office all the time. You're you're flipping between the two and you, you might feel totally in, motivated when you're in the office and non-motivated at home or vice versa, depending on your role. I mean, one of my assumptions was the action roles probably found it easier. Uh, when we went quite into lockdown because everything seemed to be focused on task and output rather yeah. than uh, the other is is that something that you were finding yeah broadly speaking yeah I think the um probably things were harder for the for the kind of communication roles so the team worker resource investigator coordinator um I think the only probable exception um in terms of the task focus might be the shaper um so people with shaper strengths tend to be um, sort of challenging, competitive, they're very goal focused, very deadline focused. Um, and again, depending on their functional role within the team, um, it's quite difficult um, in a remote operation for, for shapers to see what's being done. Um, and if we add in this, this sort of possibilities for lapses in communication, the shapers are sort of left wondering, you know, are we going to meet this deadline? Because I can't see what's being done. So again, it's the um, the piece around communication. It's making sure um, that we know and we can say, okay, we, we know that that person's going to need us to check in and, and do that. Um, and there's a good reason for it. That's the role that they're playing. So again, it's the it's the understanding around our own roles, around the roles that we have in the team, and just sort of putting that all together. Um, to, to make sure that the team gets where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, you said the word communication a, a few times in this, so it's, it's very much around the setting expectations, but also listening very much and seeking feedback rather than just being a bit passive, almost yeah. being deliberate, to use one and of the, your words. And the key, I think the key point to make about, but so Belvin isn't a personality test, Belvin measures behaviour. Um, and in addition to the, the sort of self-perception element of our questionnaire, we have the observer assessments, which is where you're asking feedback from colleagues, from managers, from those you manage. Um, and the point of that is to sort of do a reality check. You know, are my strengths coming across to others? Are there perhaps things that they see that I don't? You know, do I have hidden strengths? Are there things that I'm not managing to, to project and articulate? And how do I build on those? Um, and we know that um, that strength-based um, working is what boosts engagement. So rather than us sort of trying to, to do all things and juggle, um, Belvin is really about sort of working towards those strengths and honing them, but in a team context. And I think that's key. It's not necessarily saying, you know, I'm an introvert. How you know how do other people make allowances for that? It's saying it's starting with the team and and saying here's what I can bring to the team. How do I make the most of that? Um, and and of course that um, that that brings in sort of self awareness and, and personal development as well. 
Yeah, and I think it's really important as well, isn't it? It's um, uh, the fact it is behaviour and it's all about perceptions, my perception, your perception. Everyone has their own truth kind of thing. So so I've got to ask you the $64,000 question, which is how do we design the perfect virtual hybrid team based from your angle from the Belbin point of view? Okay, yes, that certainly is a big question. Um, <laughs> and I think we you touched on the word deliberate. I think another sort of benefit of the way that we're working now is that um, big sort of lumbering organizations that have always worked to job descriptions and you know sort of heavy bureaucracy they I think found that they had to adapt and become more flexible the startups and people who could sort of shift things more easily um, I think found things easier in those early stages so I think being able to have the flexibility to build and disband teams as you need them um, is really key to this. Um, so that, that would be my, my first point is sort of being flexible, thinking about the strengths that you need each stage of a project. Um, you don't necessarily want to bring in your detail focused person right at the beginning. You need the idea generation first, you need to vet the idea, you need to figure out the plans and actually having that person in at the beginning can be really disruptive. And I think that goes for co-located and um and sort of virtual teams um in team role theory terms you you want to achieve balance usually of team roles. so you want to assess um you know do we have all roles represented it might not necessarily be that you need that many people because obviously we all have more than one strength um but having said that i think sometimes um the message is a bit lost people look for um, team role balance and actually the other part of the Belden message is you need to look at the team's purpose what is the team there to do if you have a very um, you know if, if you have a team that is uh, trying to put plans into place you need lots of implementers and you perhaps need complete finishes for the quality control if you put plants into that team so people who are very creative who are kind of you know uh, quite unconventional in their thinking and they love coming up with new ideas they're going to be bored out of their minds doing that that job so it's not just about saying we need all team roles you know we need to have behavioral diversity at all costs behavioral diversity is really important to consider but the second piece is around purpose what's the team set up to do do we have the people that we need to achieve that um, and and what the team needs to do might change as it progresses um, through its life cycle and that's why yeah going back to the flexibility we need to think about who we need at each stage. And I think when organisations have the ability to sort of select people and use Belbin in that sort of sophisticated way, you see those great results because they're able to just move people in and out. And then that creative um, person who's come up with the idea in the first place, they can move off to another project and they're, they're still playing to their strengths and you're still getting the best from them. So I'd say, yeah, flexibility, diversity and, and purpose would be my three kind of key key elements. And that's fantastic. And of course, getting people just to know what their strengths are is always a good thing, isn't it? So if it had, well, it's been a couple of years since the pandemic now, and or for some of us, and uh, it's, it's very much around there are so many people who are new into organisations who've never seen each other face to face. So it's always hard to get to know people. So it's a great tool in a hybrid or virtual world just to get to people to gel a little bit more, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's um, and it's good to sort of understand if you've only ever seen somebody in a in a square on a screen. Um, again, as I was saying, you might kind of take comments amiss. You might think, well, that, that person's always shooting my ideas down. Maybe they just don't 
you know, they don't like me or they don't, don't value what I have to say. I think knowing, you know, they have monitor evaluator strengths, so they're going to be analytical, they can be logical, dispassionate. That's their vantage point. It's not about the idea or the person. That's their approach is to make sure that the team doesn't make a big mistake. Um, so I think it can help to sort of, um, yeah, break down some of those problems that can get in the team's way if they're left sort of undiscussed. Fantastic. So now we've solved the whole how do you have a perfect <laughs> virtual hybrid team in four and a half minutes. Um, what can managers do to boost engagement in their virtual and hybrid teams? What do you think they yes. can do to boost engagement? So we kind of touched um, on the, the research, um, talking about sort of productivity and that being a focus. And I think then um, engagement has sort of come second. I think we started off thinking about, you know, how do we make sure we can do everything online that we need to do as a team? Um, but then when you get to the stage, you know, we're in this for the long haul, we're going to be working remotely or in a, in a hybrid way um, for the foreseeable future. How do we kind of manage that? Um, and I think this goes back to um, the differences between people with different strengths. And I think um, the, the onus for the, for the manager is to understand um, their own relationship with each person in the team and how that person needs to be managed remotely or needs to be managed when they're, you know, when they're in the room together. Um, so this is likely to be quite different. It's not a one size fits all. But again, with the basic premise that if someone's working to their strengths, they're going to be more engaged. Um, the, the manager's got a real way in with, with knowing the Belgian team roles. And we have one particular report I'm thinking of, which is the, the working relationships report that looks at um, two individuals side by side. And this could be two colleagues or it could be a manager and the, the person that they manage. Um, and of course, there are lots of different things that can affect the dynamics of the relationship. But purely looking at the team role element of it, we can say, you know, looking at these team roles, we think, um, you know, you've got a lot of team roles in common. That might mean that you get on like a house on fire, but you might be missing out on some of these other things. Or we can say, um, you know, you're, you're very complementary, but that might mean that because you're coming from two very different points of view, that you might find it difficult, but it's actually really worthwhile you trying to overcome those differences and difficulties because what you have is a really sort of solid pairing. So I think for the for the manager to sort of look at that individually and how do I best manage that, that person's strengths. Um, and then I suppose the next part is looking at the team as a whole. Um, and one of our the pages in our team report, quite a popular exercise that we do is the team role circle. Um, so this is, a, you can do this on a flip chart as well. It's a, just a circle, nine segments, one for each team role. And then we plot the initials of each of the team members in their sort of respective role. Um, and that gives you a really good sort of at a glance view of the strengths that you have in the team. Um, you might find that it's, you know, you sort of heavily action roles or social roles, whatever it might be. Um, and again, where you have gaps, you might want to look at that and think, you know, do we need someone? It might be that you don't, but it's, you know, it's, it's a consideration. Do we have lots of the same kind of roles? Um, and again, that's, that's about sort of making sure that you know where everyone in your team fits and you know, therefore, how you can get the best out of them. Um, but we haven't actually talked that much about the work, but obviously for managers as well, when you're allocating work to a remote team, that, that can be harder. 
Um, so it gives you a head start as to, um, you know, who might be best suited to each kind of work. And, and therefore, your team are likely to be more engaged if they're doing the kinds of work that, that corresponds to their, their behaviours and the things that they enjoy. Yeah, and while you're saying that, it may, the, the book by Daniel Pink, um, Drives, comes into my head with his three intrinsic motivators, autonomy, mastery and purpose. Yes. And, and if people, if you're playing to someone's strengths, then you can give them more autonomy because you can delegate more to them because you, you feel confident and trust them. And mastery, if you're doing work that you know you do well, that in itself is building this intrinsic motivation into you, which is a line of sight straight into engagement. So it's... Um, Something yes. I've been talking about quite a lot with hybrid teams actually is actually how do you build intrinsic motivation? And it sounds like understanding the bell bin roles within your team is a great way of getting some insight to support you with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one would say you might. Um, so, <laughs> so, I mean, we, we're kind of running out of time on this podcast today. Um, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask this question, um, but um, I, I always... I would usually ask uh, the people I talk to on my podcast if you wanted the listeners to reflect on something about today's topic or just uh, reflect to think about it or do something based on today what would you be saying to the listeners thinking that they work somewhere inside of the people environment in the workplace um I think it would be um to to understand your own strengths um to understand the, the strengths of people around you um, and that when it comes to um, thinking about the way that we work best together um, to consider the, the team as its own kind of holistic unit if you like so it's not necessarily that that people are the, the building blocks and that we've got to build something from that it's to consider the the team's purpose and what the team is there to do and how you can therefore use the people that you have um, to get there. So I think it does all really start with, with strengths and with understanding. Um, so yeah, I would encourage that, that self-awareness as we've said, and, and then hopefully also having the, the flexibility of thinking about the way that you manage and organize people um, and, and being sort of flexible enough about that, that you can really see change. Because I, I think that's what we're talking about, um, is that we've, we've sort of been forced into quite a lot of change. And now we're thinking about how, how to make that change as positive as we can and, and how to sort of work in a more deliberate way. Um, so, yeah, those would be my, my key things. Fantastic. And, and, it's, and that made me think that... Um... It's, it's initially an awareness thing, isn't it? Either for the individual, for you as a line manager, for the team, but also it's a tool that you can use ongoing, as you were saying, when you put teams together and disband them and everything, you can be thinking about the strengths there. Victoria, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you. This I love building. It's one of my favourite topics. So thank you very much. The time has flown by. Uh, thank you for coming on and talking to us today on Tap Talks HR. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. And so that's about it for today's episode. Uh, I hope you found the discussion around teams and hybrid working interesting. You can find more about Belbin and Victoria's work at belbin.com or even our own website at tapsolutions.com. But thanks for listening. And we'll be back for another Tap Talks HR podcast soon. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.